Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, I've had a fantastic week this week because I got to go into the studio at Penguin and record an audiobook, which I've never done before, so I was super excited. And I recorded the first ever book I wrote, which was The Adventures of Nanny Piggins. I wrote it 14 years ago, and just this week I finally got to make the audiobook and do all the recording myself, so it was really cool. So to celebrate that, because it's going to come out really soon, it's going to come out in November 2020, Uh, So to celebrate the release, I'm going to play for you now a recording of me reading chapter four from that book. Uh, Chapter four is significant because that's the chapter that was cut out of the US edition of the book. So all the US listeners to this podcast won't have read this chapter before. Um, So I hope you really enjoy it. And just so you know, the recording here, it's of a Zoom event I did with a bookstore in Melbourne, which is in lockdown at the moment. So all the kids there are cooped up at home. So one of the local bookstores, the little book room, organised this Zoom event. So thanks to them, I was able to do this recording. Here you go. So this is called uh, Nanny Piggins and the Sherbet Lemon that saved the day. So here we go. Nanny Piggins and the three children were crouched on the kitchen floor, holding a cockroach race, (laughs) when Mr Green entered. Now, one of the first things Nanny Piggins had taught the children was what to do if someone walks in on you when you're doing something bad. So when Mr Green burst in, the children did exactly as they'd been trained. They stayed absolutely still and did not say a word, completely ignoring the four cockroaches as the creatures scattered across the floor in front of them. Nanny Piggins made a mental note to recatch hers later because it was a big one with long legs and it'd be a shame to let it run wild. Apart from making excellent races, cockroaches can be tremendously handy for shocking hygienic people and clearing long queues at the deli. Mr Green saw nothing wrong wrong with the disarray of furniture or the fact that his children were sitting on the floor amongst an infestation of insects. Because, in truth, he was not looking at them. Whenever his children came into his eye line, he looked through them He found parenthood less disturbing that way. He had come into the room to impart the minimum amount of information to the nanny and then retreat. Nanny Piggins could sense this, so she did not speak. She didn't want to encourage him to hang around any longer than he had to. Um, I'm going to be going away for a few days, said Mr Green. The children's first instinct was to squeal with joy. It's always nice when their father was out of the house, but it was extra especially nice (laughs) if they knew he wasn't going to come back for many, many days. I trust you'll be all right with the children, continued Mr Green. Yes, agreed Nanny Piggins. There was an awkward pause. I suppose you'll need my contact details of where I'm staying, said Mr Green, glumly. No, that's all right. If something terrible happens, we can wait and tell you about it when you get back, said Nanny Piggins. Mr Green much preferred it this way. He was very pleased that the nanny had suggested it. Unfortunately for Mr Green, in looking forward to five days without any contact with his three children, he had a temporary brain spasm and said the following. 
Then I will leave my car key for you in case you need to drive somewhere. You know, rushing the children to hospital in an emergency in the middle of the night, that sort of thing. With that, he took his car key off his key ring and laid it down on the kitchen bench. Ah, oh, thank you, said Nanny Piggins. I don't imagine we will use it, but it's good to know I can in case of a really, really extreme emergency, like someone's hand accidentally getting chopped off. <laughs> Hands up if you've ever had your hand accidentally chopped off. None of you? Good, good. It'd be hard to put your hand up if you had, wouldn't it? You'd have to put your foot up. Are you wearing shoes? I'm not wearing shoes. That's the good thing about doing things at home. You don't have to wear shoes. Anyway, all right then, said Mr. Green. He often said meaningless things in place of making actual conversation. I'll be off, so goodbye, I suppose. Goodbye, said Nanny Piggins and the children. The door had barely swung back to the doorpost before Nanny Piggins leapt up from the floor and in an act of unexpected athleticism hurled herself at the kitchen counter, snatching up the key as quickly or <laughs> as humanly or rather piggly possible. The key to the car, said Nanny Piggins in awestruck tones. This is the nicest thing anyone has ever given me. He didn't actually give it to you, said Derek. He wanted Nanny Piggins to have the key to the car as much as anyone, but still he thought it was important to be accurate. He just lent it to you. Yes, he lent me this key, but when I take it to the key cutter and get a copy made, that key will be mine, said Nanny Piggins. <laughs> Derek could not argue with that. Just think, with this key, we could go anywhere in the world, said Nanny Piggins. Anywhere until you get to the sea, then you'd have to swap to a boat, Samantha pointed out. Oh, I'm sure we could get a very nice boat in exchange for your father's car. It's brand new and he has it washed all the time, said Nanny Piggins. This frightened Samantha. I wasn't suggesting you swap father's car, said Samantha. No, of course not, agreed Nanny Piggins. But it's nice to know I can, if I absolutely have to, you know, to ensure world peace or something like that. Samantha was only slightly reassured. Let's go and look at it, said, said Nanny Piggins. Moments later, Nanny Piggins and the children stood looking at Mr Green's car. It was impressive. It was a Rolls Royce, and they usually are impressive. But Mr Green had got it cheap because something had gone wrong at the paint mixing factory and the car had accidentally, accidentally been painted in the exact same shade of yellow as Cat Sick. This did not deter Nanny Piggins and the children. The car looked impressive and exotic to them. <laughs> now that they had complete control over it, the paintwork shone brighter, the upholstery smelled stronger, and the whole thing just looked bigger. Let's sit in the car and see how it feels, said Nanny Piggins. You're only meant to drive it in extreme emergencies, Samantha reminded her. We're only sitting in it. What harm can that do, reasoned Nanny Piggins. Samantha could not argue with that. What harm could it do? Besides, she wanted to sit in the back seat and pretend she was the queen, waving to the crowds of loyal subjects. So all four of them happily climbed in. Samantha pretended she, pretended she was the queen. Michael pretended to be a fire engine driver. Derek pretended to be a detective staking out a criminal's lair. And Nanny Piggins pretended she was the nanny of a very silly man who gave her the key to his car. It was a lot of fun. Having a car was even more fun than cockroach racing. Why don't you turn the radio on, suggested Derek. How do I do that, asked Nanny Piggins. Just put the key in the ignition and turn it one notch, Derek explained. Nanny Piggins did as he suggested and suddenly the car was filled with noise. The loud, boring noise of two men talking about politics. 
Yuck, change the channel, said Michael. Derek reached over and pressed a few buttons. Suddenly, they were listening to music. You mean we can choose what we listen to, said Nanny Piggins. Oh, yes, there's dozens of stations to choose from, Derek explained. I assumed your father's radio was permanently set to the most boring station in the world. I didn't realise he could choose to change it, said Nanny Piggins. Oh, yes, said Derek. You just press the buttons up or down until you find a station that you like. Nanny Piggins was astounded. Just think of all the times we've been in the car with him and we've either had to listen to him talk or... (laughs) Or the radio talk when we could have been listening to music. I would have done something about it if I'd known. The children could see that Nanny Piggins had a point. The car was so much more exciting now that their father wasn't in it. What does this button do? asked Nanny Piggins, reaching towards a small black box in the middle of the central tray. Oh, that opens the garage door, said Samantha. Really, said Nanny Piggins, as she reached over and pressed the button. "'What are you doing?' asked Samantha, immediately suspicious. "'I thought we might take the car out for a little drive,' said Nanny Piggins. "'But you're only meant to drive it in extreme emergency,' said Samantha. "'Now you must understand, Samantha was not a spoil sport. "'She loved her nanny and she enjoyed fun. "'She just took a little while longer to warm up to fun than most kids. "'But once she finally stopped worrying and started enjoying herself, "'she could be as much fun as the next irresponsible youth.' Yes, I know, but the problem is, said Nanny Piggins, I don't know how to drive, so I'd better learn now. That way, I'll know how to do it when an emergency does happen. But didn't you learn how to drive at the circus, asked Michael, with surprise. It seemed to him that Nanny Piggins had learned everything at the circus. No, said Nanny Piggins absentmindedly as she poked buttons, hoping it would make the car go. If I wanted to get somewhere, I'd just have them fire me out of the cannon in that general direction. So how do I make this go? Oh, you just turn the key another notch, said Derek. He wasn't (laughs) not really thinking about the consequences of this suggestion because his mind was too busy picturing Nanny Piggins shooting through the air, carrying a letter on the way to the post office. Before he knew it, the engine roared to life. Oh my goodness, he exclaimed. Now we're cooking with gas, said Nanny Piggins delightedly. This was one of her favourite expressions. She wasn't sure what it meant precisely, but she imagined it had something to do with the delight cavemen felt when when they invented gas and they could stop lighting fires by rubbing two sticks together. Where shall we go, she asked the children. How about the shop, suggested Derek conservatively. How about we just very slowly back out of the driveway, suggested Samantha, even more conservatively. How about we go to Iceland, suggested Michael, not conservatively at all. (laughs) Um, He knew the car had seven airbags, so not only was he likely to survive a crash, it would probably be exciting and fun. I know, declared Nanny Piggins. Let's do all three. And with that, she threw the car into reverse and went precisely nowhere. What happened, said Derek. He opened his eyes. He'd closed them to brace for impact, (laughs) just in case Nanny Piggins managed to back straight into a truck as she came out of the driveway. He looked over to see what Nanny Piggins was doing and immediately recognised the problem. It's your legs, said Derek. They're not long enough to reach the pedals. What pedals, said Nanny Piggins, although she saw the answer for herself when she looked down and saw two of them. 
One's to make the car go and the other's to make the car stop, explained Derek. How ingenious, said Nanny Piggins. Humans could be annoying, but they did come up with some clever things. Well, there's nothing for it. Samantha hoped Nanny Piggins was going to say that they'd have to all go back in the house. But of course she did not. She said, Michael will have to crawl down there and press them for me when I call out. Michael was only too willing to do just that. So they were soon lurching backwards down the driveway with terrifying bursts of speed, followed by jolting stops. Derek was reluctantly impressed with Nanny Piggins when she managed to get the car out onto the road with only having driven over one rubbish bin and two rose bushes. Henry's feeling a bit better now. He's, he's still shaking a little bit, but he's not as frightened, just so you all know. We've got out of the driveway. Now let's go to the shop, yelled Nanny Piggins. She was excited and giddy with her newfound source of power. Just think we can buy lollies without having to get exhausted from the walk there. Oh my goodness, exclaimed Derek, for he had opened the glove box and was overwhelmed by what he saw in there. What is it? asked Nanny Piggins. Look at all the money in the glove box, said Derek, pointing, because there in front of him was an entire ten dollars worth of small change in coins. It was the change Mr Green used for paying the toll on the way to work. It's like a pirate's treasure chest, said Nanny Piggins, making a mental note to search Mr Green's things for money more often. Look at all that money. It's a fortune. Think how much chocolate we're going to be able to buy with all that. Even Samantha was beginning to stop worrying at the thought of all that chocolate. Press harder on the go pedal, Michael. We've got lollies to buy, ordered Nanny Piggins. And Michael, being a good boy, did exactly as he was told. The car shot forward and Nanny Piggins, using all her dexterity and skill from years of being a circus performer, was able to drive the car all the way to the shop without touching the brake pedals once. <laughs> At least not until they got to the shop, where Michael hit the brake so hard, the car left two great long tracks of rubber burnt onto the road behind them. Nanny Piggins and the children hopped out of the car and raced into the shop as fast as they could, not realising that they'd left the engine on. It did not occur to Nanny Piggins that you needed to turn the car off, because she'd never bought petrol before, so she had no idea it was expensive, and you should try to use as little as possible. While it was always difficult for Nanny Piggins and the children to decide exactly what sort of sweets to buy, oh, by the way, Americans that are watching, sweets and lollies means candy. We have a few different words. So sweets means candy. So when I say sweets or lollies, get your brain to flip it to candy, okay? All right, so where was I? Uh, it was always difficult for the children to decide what sort of sweets candy to buy and coming to this decision usually involved them yelling and screaming at each other. The shrieking match was usually brief though because no matter how much they preferred peppermints to chocolate or chocolate to sherbet they were all united in the common goal to get as much as possible and shove it in their mouths. So three minutes after entering they left the shop carrying a massive shopping bag full to the brim with their negotiated combination of treats. They hurried back to the car so they could enjoy eating them in peace without being criticised by passers-by because it seemed that everyone was an expert on childhood obesity these days and whenever Nanny Piggins let the children eat their own body weight in chocolate in the street there was always some nosy stranger who'd stop and give her a piece of their mind. Once in the car however they'd only got a handful of candy into their mouths when they noticed there was a fully grown man sitting in the middle of the back seat and he was screaming at Nanny Piggins to drive, hurry up and drive. 
<laughs> the man was waving what looked like an incredibly realistic water pistol at Nanny Piggins. So Nanny Piggins decided to do as she was told. She put the car in drive and asked Michael politely to press the go pedal. As they raced away from the strip of shops, the man seemed to relax, although he still kept his realistic-looking water pistol trained on Nanny Piggins. What happened to Paul, he asked. Whatever do you mean, asked Nanny Piggins. Where did he go? Paul was behind the wheel when I went into the jewellery shop. Are you his missus or something? asked the man. Nanny Piggins was about to get on her feminist high horse and explain that she was no man's missus. When she thought better of it, she just had her hair set and it looked particularly good. She did not want to get it doused in water. Yes, that's right. I'm Paul's missus. And he asked me to drive you because... His dentist had a sudden cancellation, so Paul rushed off to get some much-needed root canal work. Oh, said the man. I didn't know he was having trouble with his teeth. Paul doesn't like to complain about it. He has a high pain threshold ever since he got shot 15 times during the war. Oh, I didn't know he was in the war either, said the man. Nanny Piggins realised she'd better put a stop to this line of fiction before she dug herself into a hole. Oh, he was ordered by the government not to talk about it for reasons of national security. Oh, righto, said the man. So why did you bring the kids to the job? Um, it's so hard to find affordable childcare these days, said Nanny Piggins. She knew this was true because it's what Mr Green muttered all the time, every time he caught her doing something she shouldn't, which was quite a lot. Well, I reckon it's a stroke of genius bringing a kid, car full of kids, said the man. No one will look twice at us. They'll think we're a family out for a drive. We are a family out for a drive, said Nanny Piggins. The man laughed. That's right. That's the story we'll tell him. Would you like a sherbet lemon, Samantha asked the man. She did not really want to give him one of her sweets, but she knew that it was polite to share, and she did not want to go a moment longer without eating one herself. Besides, it was most disagreeable the way he kept pointing his water pistol at Nanny Piggins, and she thought if she gave him a lolly, he might put the water pistol down to unwrap it. Ta, that's very kind, said the man. Here, mind this for me. He put his water pistol on the armrest and turned to look at the view out of the rear window. For some reason, he was more interested in the view out of the rear window than he was out of the front. So Samantha simply closed up the armrest, pushing it into the seat and hiding that nasty water pistol from view. I think we've lost him, said the man. You've done some good driving, sweetheart, he complimented Nanny Piggins warmly. I've known some fast getaway drivers in my time, but you're the first one I've known who's never touched the brakes. I didn't know you could just touch the brakes, said Nanny Piggins. I thought you just jammed on them as hard as you possibly could. The man laughed. I like a girl with a sense of humour. Your Paul's a lucky man. But having said that, his pleasure with Nanny Piggins abruptly ended as the car began to splutter and die. What's going on? The man demanded. Where's me gun? He, he added as an afterthought. But the man never got to find his gun. Regrettably for him, Nanny Piggins knew absolutely nothing about the, the workings of an internal combustion engine. As a result, the car coasted to a fuelless halt right out the front of the local police station. And just as the police sergeant was stepping out onto the footpath to go to lunch... And unfortunately for the man with a water pistol, the sergeant immediately recognised him as Billy McPherson, the well-known bank robber and jewel thief. Well, 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 what have we got here then? asked the sergeant as he grabbed Billy by the collar before he could crawl over Samantha and make a quick exit from the car. 
You wouldn't have anything to do with the jewellery shop robbery on Bridge Street this morning, would you? This is the type of rhetorical question that police are always asking. We've just come from Bridge Street, said Derek, innocently informing him. (laughs) Well, 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 you've got some explaining to do, haven't you, Billy? But first, you better hand over your gun. I know you always carry one, said the sergeant. I don't have it on me. I swear on me mother's eyes, said the man. It's true, said Samantha, helpfully, although he did give me his water pistol to mind. (laughs) For she believed it was tremendously important to be helpful to people in uniform. She pulled down the armrest and revealed the weapon. Thank you, young lady, said the sergeant kindly. I'm surprised at you, Billy. You're losing your touch, letting yourself be disarmed by a little girl. I did give him a sherbet lemon to get him to put it down, Samantha admitted. An interesting tactic, miss, said the sergeant. I'll have to suggest that the next time they come to teach us hostage negotiating. And so it was only three hours after, (laughs) sorry, and so it was after only three hours of questioning when Nanny Piggins and the children were finally sent home that they realised the enormity of what they had done. Who would have thought that we could catch an armed robber, said Nanny Piggins in wonder. I never would have given him a sherbet lemon if I'd known he was a bad man, said Samantha. If you hadn't given him the sherbet lemon, we all could have been killed in a shootout at the police station, Derek pointed out. So in a way, said Nanny Piggins, this is how she started all her best excuses, taking the car out and using your father's money to buy treats saved our lives. Oh, it did more than that, said Michael. It got an armed robber off the streets. Good point, said Nanny Piggins. And that's what we'll tell your father if he asks why there's so many dents and scratches in his car. Yeah, we'll say an armed robber made you drive badly at gunpoint, suggested Derek. Exactly. Now we've got our story straight. Let's really enjoy all this chocolate. So Nanny Piggins and the children ate the sweets and raced raced their cockroaches, truly satisfied that they had done a good day's work. The end. Thank you for listening to support this podcast just buy a book by me R.A. Spratt there's lots to choose from from across the Pesky Kids Friday Barnes and Nanny Piggins series you can buy them from your local bookstore they'll be able to order them in for you or you can go to my website raspratt.com and click on the book depository banner they have all my titles and free international shipping until next time goodbye